You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. All right. Good morning. Uh, we're in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you um, just for the ability to gather and to worship you and praise your name and study your word. And I just ask that we just never take that for granted. Um, I just want to thank you for Pastor Andrew. Um, I think it is so evident that he has a heart for you and a heart for his people. And um, he has just touched so many lives, and we are just grateful for the way that you use him. We are excited to hear what you've laid on his heart this morning to share with us, and we know that it is just intended to grow our faith and bring us closer to you. I pray that um, not only do we hear it, but that you just give us the courage to apply it to our lives so that we may bring honor and glory to you. I thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of Malachi, because it, it uh, is a major theme in that book as well. Now, we're not going to talk about every sort of aspect regarding covenant and how it unfolds over the history of redemption. That's like, that would be like a sermon series. Um, but we are going to kind of remind ourselves of what, what it is basically. Right? A covenant, we have been saying, is a relationship built on promises where there is an expectation of loyalty or faithfulness. So like a marriage is an example of a covenant where there are vows that are made. 
right? Promises are made one spouse to the, to the other, and there is the expectation of faithfulness or loyalty of one spouse to the other. Now, when you look in the Old Testament, Yahweh has a covenant relationship with the people of Israel, and that covenant is sometimes called the Mosaic Covenant. Now, God is the one who initiates that, that relationship. First, by making promises to Abraham, right, and to the patri patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then, kind of like in this more direct way to the people of Israel after Jacob, he comes and he rescues the people of Israel out of Egypt, where they have been taken captive. Right, so that's kind of like the beginning of that relationship. But then he gives them instruction called the Torah. You guys ever heard of the word Torah before? So it means instruction. And usually when we're talking about the Torah, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible. And in the Torah, there are instructions regarding what this loving relationship is meant to look like between the people of God and God and between the, the people of God and, and one another. So we're going to look at some of the aspects of this covenant. We're not going to cover all the aspects of the Mosaic covenant today, but just sort of like one sort of like um, line in it, right? And that has to do with the priesthood, right? So part of the Mosaic covenant is the covenant with Levi, Right, And so if you were listening to Shelby uh, read the passage, you probably heard about the covenant of Levi. So who's Levi? Right, He was a priest, right? And, and the Levites, the people who were related to him, they were priests. So God, under the umbrella of the Mosaic covenant, right, which was made between Yahweh and all the people of Israel, like a subset of that covenant was the covenant made to the Levites. So part of the Mosaic covenant were a priesthood, the Levites, right? And they have that covenant with Yahweh. But then there's also a temple, a tabernacle, where a holy God lives in the midst of a sinful people. And sort of kind of as a consequence of all that, there is a sacrificial system, right? If you, if you have a holy God living in the midst of a sinful people, then it makes sense that there would be a sacrificial system to both teach you about the holiness of God and your sinfulness and to, in a temporary kind of symbolic kind of way, deal with the sin of the people living in the midst of this holy God, the holy God that's in their midst. So part of the Mosaic Covenant has to do with the priesthood, a tabernacle or temple, and this, this sacrificial system. So that, that's part we're going to kind of focus in on today. Now, also included in the Mosaic Covenant is this idea of blessings and cursings. Have you guys heard about this before? So when the people of Israel, when they followed Yahweh, like when they walked with Yahweh and they obeyed his Torah, then they experienced blessing, right? But when they went their own way, right, they didn't walk with Yahweh, then they would experience curses, right, and sort of as God would give them over to going their own way. And even that was with the hopes of as they're going their own way, you're walking away from the God of life, you're going your own way, and you're experiencing more and more death and misery, right, <clears throat> that was supposed to lead you to repentance, where you would return back to God. That was all part of the, the whole Mosaic Covenant uh, um, um, system, right? Now, you don't have to know a lot about 
the history of Israel to know that about as soon as they are delivered out of Egypt, right, what do they begin doing? They begin sitting, right? They begin breaking the covenant. So the history of Israel, like if you wanted to just sort of boil it down for somebody, just say, well, the history of Israel is God is rescuing his people, right? And they just keep sinning. And then God keeps calling them to repentance, right? Come back to me because you keep breaking the covenant. You keep worshiping uh, other gods. And, and I want you to come back to me, right? That's part of, part of what the covenant is about. But then ultimately, eventually, after hundreds and hundreds of years of this happening, God gives them over to the ultimate curse of the Mosaic Covenant in that they are uh, invaded by Babylon, a foreign occupier that destroys the city of Jerusalem, that destroys the temple. There's no longer a priesthood and there's no longer a sacrificial system. And then the Babylonians take those people to Babylon. So it's kind of like a reverse of the Exodus, right? In the Exodus... They were taken out of captivity and brought into the promised land where there was a temple, a priesthood, and a sacrificial system. Now the opposite is happening. Right now they are taken from the promised land back into exile. And actually, that's also supposed to picture or remind you of what happens with the Garden of Eden. Right? Adam and Eve are exiled out of the promised land or the garden and out into the, the fallen world. Right? And so that, that, this story is just kind of like on repeat. Now, this helps us understand the book of Malachi, right? Because the book of Malachi is sort of like this reboot of the story of Israel, right? It's sort of like this new exodus where God, through a lowercase c, Christ in Cyrus, he delivers his people back out of their captivity in exile in Babylon, back into Jerusalem, and so they have a priesthood again. Then they rebuild the temple again. And now they have a sacrificial system again. So all that is kind of like this new exodus is happening. But then what happens, what, like as we would expect from fallen human beings, what begins to happen again, right? What we saw last week in the second dispute, like Malachi has these different disputes between him and his people. In the second dispute, right, the priests begin to break the covenant vows again by allowing defective sacrifices to come into the temple, which was evidence that they didn't take the Torah seriously, right? Because God was very explicit about this in Leviticus. When you bring sacrifices, those sacrifices have to be without blemish, right? So they're not taking the Torah seriously, and they're not taking Yahweh's reputation seriously because these defective sacrifices don't match who God is. Right? He is a holy God, right? And it doesn't match their relationship. They are a sinful people. So if you've got a holy God, you've got a sinful people, there's a need for a sacrifice without blemish. And they were breaking covenant. Now, we said last week that this, that was just a symptom of a deeper issue of the heart. Malachi 1.6 says that they actually despised Yahweh's name, right? They did not love Yahweh. That, that's why they're doing this. They don't love Yahweh, right? And it says that they thought of the whole covenant system, right? Their whole covenant relationship, they thought of it as boring, right? It was wearisome to them, 
right? It says in Malachi chapter 1, verse 13, right? And so God, Yahweh, lays this charge against the people of Israel, and he says, you guys despise my name. And they say, oh, how have we despised your name? He says, well, look at your half-hearted worship. You're bringing these defective animal sacrifices. Now, today, in our passage, it's just a continuation of this second dispute that Yahweh is bringing, uh, that is having between him and, and the covenant people of God. But now, Yahweh's going to start talking about the curses or the consequences of breaking this covenant relationship that he has with them. So we're going to talk, as I said, we're going to talk about covenant faithfulness. We're going to come at it from a couple of different angles as we look at this passage. First, we're going to talk about what covenant faithfulness was supposed to look like with the priesthood. And we'll kind of like walk through that. But then the second thing we're going to do is talk about the consequences of not being faithful to the covenant. And that gets... Pretty serious, just so you're forewarned. And then at the end, I want to talk about John the Baptist and Jesus Christ as the ones who, who are the ultimate faithful covenant keepers. And we're going to kind of walk through that. So let's first talk about what the covenant, what covenant faithfulness was supposed to look like in the priesthood. And so for that, we need to go back to Malachi chapter 2 and look at verses 5 through 7 again. Here Yahweh is describing his covenant relationship with Levi, who is sort of pictured in this passage as the ideal priest. He's sort of, he's like an idealized version of himself when he speaks. He says this beginning in verse 5, My covenant with him, my covenant with Levi, was one of life and peace. And I give them to him. I give him life and peace. It was a covenant of fear. And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. And no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. And he turned many from iniquity. From the lips of a priest... Uh, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So that was God's ideal, right? This covenant was meant to be this ongoing relationship between Yahweh and his priest. So it was less about like rules and regulations and more about this relationship. So that's why he says of the ideal priest that he walked with me, Yahweh says, in peace and uprightness. That peace means that there was wholeness. There was oneness between my priest and me. There was uprightness, like there was a right relationship that we had. It was a relationship of integrity. There was no hypocrisy in our relationship. It was a true relationship. And he received, he, like God, Yahweh was the benefactor. He's the one who gives Right? And the priest was the one who received and responded to God's grace. So <clears throat> he received life in peace. Right? And it's not like, um, don't think of it as like, God's over here, here's life in peace, and then he gives it to Yahweh as a thing separate from himself. No, it, it comes as a result of walking with the God who is life. Right? Who, who lives in perfect peace within the community of the Trinity. 
So the result of walking hand in hand with God would be that you, the priest, would experience life and peace. And as a result of that experience, walking hand in hand with God, you would be in awe of God. You, the, the, the word fear here is sort of like, it's not exactly like terror, although there might, might be a drop of that in there. It, it's just more like, wow, God is, God is so holy, he's so good, and, and he walks with me. And I am, man, I am in awe of this God, right? And so that, that's how their relationship was supposed to be. That was the ideal relationship that the priest was to have with Yahweh. And that had consequences as to how he ministered, right? That affected the way that he ministered to other people. The ideal priest in this passage was to do a couple of things. One, he was supposed to teach God's instruction, teach God's Torah. Then he was supposed to make just determinations regarding what was clean and what was unclean, what was holy, and what was common. So we can read about that in Leviticus chapter 10, where in verse 10 it says, you, referring to the sons of Aaron, who are part of the Levitical priesthood, you are to distinguish between the holy, like, like what belongs in the temple, would be one way to think about it, what belongs in the temple, and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Now, this would include being able to determine what animals that were being brought in were acceptable to God and which animals were not acceptable to God. So the priests, as a result of being in right relationship with God, they would teach the Torah and they would make these just determinations. And the other thing that they would do is they would call people to repentance. Like your repentance means turning, right? If you're going your own way, and the priest would say, okay, you're going the wrong way. Turn back to God, right? And he was, God blessed the Levites in that there was times where he was effective. When he was right with God and he was ministering from a right heart, his call to repentance would be effective. That's why it says in verse 6, he, the ideal priest, turned many, not everybody, but many from iniquity. Iniquity means, means sin. So let's think about, the, so what was Yahweh's ideal priest, right? Yahweh's ideal priest was walking hand in hand with Yahweh, right? In a real upright relationship where there was life and peace there. And then as a result, he would instruct God's people and he would call them to repentance and he would tell them about God's holiness, their sinfulness, the need for repentance, and the need for a sacrifice without blemish. That was a picture of God's ideal priest. Now, we're not Levites, right? Well, maybe, maybe there's somebody in the room that can trace their lineage back to Levi, but I doubt it, right? But we're, we're not Levites, but nevertheless, right, just as in the Old Testament, right, Exodus 19.6 says that the entire nation was to be a royal priesthood, right? And then the Levites were like a special priesthood within the bigger priesthood. In the same way, Peter says about us, those who belong to Jesus, we have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God has made us into a royal priesthood that he sets aside 
right? To, de- to proclaim or declare the- that God is bringing us out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So even though this, this passage is not directly towards us, there's a lot of implications for us because we, if we belong to Jesus, are part of a royal priesthood. Okay, so verses 5 through 7 of Malachi chapter 2, they, they give us a picture of Yahweh's ideal priest. Now, how does that stack up with the priests of Malachi's day? That's what I want to talk about next. We're going to talk about the consequences of being unfaithful to the covenant. And for that, we look to verses 8 and 9 in Malachi chapter 2. And you're going to see just how much they fall short of God's ideal. In verse 8, But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And then skipping down to the latter part of verse 9, you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So compare that with what we just said about the ideal priest, right? Instead of walking hand in hand with Yahweh, instead Yahweh says to them, that the priest during the time of Malachi, you have turned aside from the way, like you've left the path. Right, the ideal priest walked with God on the path. These priests left the path. So that's one distinction. Instead of keeping covenant with Yahweh, he says to them, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, verse 8, and you do not keep my ways, verse 9. Instead of, because that vertical relationship was messed up, what do you think their ministry was like? Messed up. Right? So instead of instructing the people of God in truth and making just determinations about what was holy or a, 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 a comment or what was clean or unclean, instead he says to them, you have caused many to stumble by your instruction, verse 8. You show partiality in your instruction, verse 9. And so what this kind of looked like practically, like during that time, is when you, you know, you go up to the priest and you say, hey, you know what, um, I know last week I promised I was going to bring that unblemished ram. Remember that? Okay, so I kind of ran out of time, and I have this one sick lamb, and I don't really know what to do with it, really, because I, I can't eat it. It's sick, and it's not really serving any purpose. Like, can I just sacrifice this instead? Now, the ideal priest would say, God, God is a merciful God, but, but no. No, no, no. God is, God is holy. No. Right. Now, but these priests, what they would say, like, oh, yeah, like, don't worry about it. Yeah, just, just bring it. God, God's covenant is really, it's not that important, actually. And, you know, your sin, I know you. Your, your sin's not that bad. So any sacrifice, any sacrifice will do, right? So they're going, like, in the opposite direction of what God wanted for his ideal priest because, right, they didn't, they didn't walk with Yahweh. They didn't love Yahweh. So they didn't experience the fullness of his holiness. And as a result, they didn't experience the fullness of their own sinfulness. And so they didn't understand the need for repentance. They didn't understand the need for a sacrifice without blemish. But there would be consequences for that. And here are the consequences of corrupting God's covenant. So for that, look at the beginning of Malachi chapter 2. Now reading from verse 1. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, 
If you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Right? The, the it there is bringing honor to Yahweh's name. You don't take that to heart. You don't take it seriously. Verse 3, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. And then skipping down to the latter part of verse 8, You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you debased, or despised and abased before all the people. So since they despised Yahweh's name in their heart, they did not listen to the voice of Yahweh, they and their descendants would experience the curses of the covenant through these dramatic reversals. You guys remember when uh, Daniel was teaching us about that, when we were going through Obadiah, and he used the illustration of Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, right? It's like this illustration of poetic justice. It's like no matter what the coyote does, like it, it always ends up hurting him, right? He's like he's trying to throw the anvil at the, the roadrunner, and somehow, some way, it ends up falling on him, right? So there's these dramatic reversals that happen, and that's what's happening in the, in the life of these, well, at least there's the threat of this happening in the life of these priests, right? Because they have taken the blessing of the sacrificial system, and twisted it by receiving defective sacrifices, God is going to take the blessings that they were supposed to pronounce on the people and receive as a result of being priests, and he was going to turn that to be a curse. Right? And in addition to that, because they despised Yahweh's reputation, they did not take Yahweh's name seriously, he was going to make the people not take them seriously like it was going to reverse back on, on them. So he was going to render their ministry ineffective. Like, you know, compare that to the ideal priest whose ministry was effective. And, and, and also, on top of that, he was going to render them unclean and then take them out of the people of Israel altogether if they did not repent. Like, wouldn't you say, like, what would you guys say is the most shocking part of the passage? Right? It's got to be verse 3, right? Where Yahweh says to the priests, I will, quote, spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it, with the dung. Right? And, and so you're like, okay, that's in the Bible. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, like, I read the Bible to my children. You know what I mean? And it's like, now, and it, it's meant to be shocking. Like, it's meant to be graphic, right? It, it, it's meant to, it's kind of like, because remember, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of them breaking covenant, and even God sending them back into captivity and then bringing them back again. And they're still breaking covenant. And so Malachi's like, wake up! Like, this is crazy! Like, you guys, so he gives this really, really graphic imagery. But to really understand it, you have to know some of the background behind it. In the Torah, Exodus chapter 29, 
Leviticus chapter 4, Leviticus chapter 8, Leviticus chapter 16, right? The instruction that was given was when you make a sacrifice, right? You're supposed to take the guts of the sacrifice, the intestines, which include the dung, right? And you're supposed to take it outside the camp, right? Because it's unclean. So when you know, as the children of Israel, they're walking around, they're carrying the tabernacle, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, all this stuff. When they had to, you know, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, when it came time to stop, right, they'd build it, they got the tabernacle, then the, the Levitical priests would like camp around that, and then the, the different tribes would be all around that, right? And then you'd make these sacrifices, and just like, you know, like, what do they teach you in Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts? Like, don't take a dump right outside your tent. Like, that, that's like, that's unclean. You don't do that. Take it out of the camp, right? And so the same way, they took all the guts and dung of the sacrifices, and they brought it out there. That's unclean. And at least Leviticus chapter 16 tells us that whoever brought it, right, whoever handled all that mess, right, they couldn't come back into the camp. You can't just come back into the camp. You have to bathe outside the camp, right? When, like when our son Moses comes back from working at the ranch, like he can't just come into the house, right? <laughs> like you have to like take, you know, you do the stuff in the garage because that can't come in here, right? But in the same way, like that guy had to bathe outside the camp and, ba- and wash his clothes before he could come back in, right? So you see what, what Yahweh is saying? He's saying because... You thought it was okay to bring unfit, unclean animals into my holy temple. I'm going to make you unclean. And I'm going, to, I'm going to put you outside of the camp. Now, that's a heavy saying. Do you, are you getting the sense that God does not want us to make light of sin. Like we're priests too. He does not want us to tell people, oh, don't worry about your sin. He does not want us to minimize God's holiness. He doesn't want people to minimize other, you know, their sinfulness or other people's sinfulness to where there's like no difference between God's holiness and their sinfulness. Because what does that do? There's no need for repentance. There's no need for a sacrifice without blemish. You you are shrinking the gospel. See, the the, the Levitical priesthood, maybe they don't understand why they're doing all this over and over, but this was meant to be a gospel track to point to the glory of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And God, God does not like taking glory away from the person and work of his son. So they, they were ruining the gospel message. And, and see, the thing is, is, man, like, it's so tempting. It's so tempting for me. Right? I, don't, I don't want people to think like, like I'm judgmental or something like that. I don't want, you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I don't want to be judgmental. But it, it's sort of like, man, it's so tempting to kind of minimize sin, to minimize God's holiness, to minimize the need of repentance, to minimize the need for a sacrifice without sin, 
right? Because it's offensive. The gospel is offensive, right? Now, and, and, and I'm not saying like, it's never like, hey, I'm holy and you guys are dirty. Like, that's not, that's not the, like, it's like, guys, we're dirty. Like, we need to be cleaned by Jesus. Like, we need to be made right again, right? There's a huge cavern between us and the holiness of God, and only the cross of Christ can span it, right? And so we point, and then, and then the, the cross is magnified, and then Jesus is magnified. His work on the cross is magnified, and that's what the Father likes. I want... I want my son glorified in the world. That, that's what God's heart is. And so there's this need, like, for us to, to repent. To, I need to repent. Like, because I minimize the cross. In my own life, I minimize the cross. And then I minimize the cross for other people. And God's like, but this is about my son. You can't do that. And so this is a warning just for, for them, these, these priests, because they are unfaithful messengers, but, but there's something else that's going on too. There's this longing that's being created. Like, you've got these unfaithful messengers. We've got these defective sacrifices. Oh, God, can you, can you give us a, a faithful messenger? Can you give us a perfect sacrifice? There's this longing that's being created. And that's what I want to talk about last. I want to talk about John the Baptist, and I want to talk about our Jesus. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, it says, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way, you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. But then Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now we've said that this this faithful messenger who prepares the way of the divine Messiah coming into the temple is John the Baptist. Right? The New Testament identifies him as such in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 2. Jesus identifies him as such in Matthew chapter 11. But John the Baptist, unlike these priests from Malachi's day, he took God seriously. He took the covenant seriously. He called people to repentance and he talked about the need for there to be a perfect sacrifice without blemish when he said in John chapter 1, verse 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, identifying Jesus as such because he is the perfect priest and the perfect sacrifice. When Jesus came into the temple in Mark chapter 11, right, and he is, he cleanses it because he's a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap, right? They, they should have recognized this is the Messiah. And what should have happened immediately was just like, you are the holy one who, you're the only one who can ascend God's holy hill. Like you, you should go into the holy of holies, which is meant to be a picture of the throne room of God in heaven, and you should reign from there. 
because you're the king. Sit on the mercy seat, which is his throne. This throne is the mercy seat. What kind of picture is, who is this God? The throne of grace is how the book of Hebrews talks about it. But what did they do instead? They rejected him. And like the dung of the sacrifices, they brought him outside the camp. And then the mess of our sins was wiped across his face. And he died as unclean. This is how the book of Hebrews talks about it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 and 12. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate outside of Jerusalem, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So Jesus, with his blood, he purchased a new people. He created a new priesthood right, that he set apart to proclaim the excellencies of him who calls us out of darkness. Right? We were in darkness and into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2, 9. And that's who we are. If you know Jesus, you're part of this priesthood. And so Jesus, he shows us what covenant faithfulness is. Right? Not only is he the perfect sacrifice, but he's also the perfectly faithful priest. But not only do we need an example, like, I don't know about you, but I need more than just an example, right? An example will only tell me how, fall, you know, how far I fall short. Like, it'll just be, you know, God telling me about Malachi verses five through, two for, 5 through 7, right? The ideal priest. Are you like him? No. We need more than that. He, he had to pay the penalty for our sin. See, we don't take our sin very seriously. But our sin is like taking our mess and wiping it across the face of God. And he would have every reason to, to stamp us out. But he doesn't. Instead, he sent his only son so he could ratify a new covenant in his blood so he could experience his forgiveness. So the law of God could be written not on, on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our heart and so that he could pour his spirit into his new temple which is us now God doesn't occupy a temple in Jerusalem he occupies us by his spirit so that we could, we could proclaim and believe and embrace God's holiness his holiness our sinfulness, the need. So we would run to Jesus and repentance and receive him as the lamb without blemish. Let's pray.
Jesus, you are the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.